0: This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast, episode 14. Today's podcast is all about writing romance, and I'll be speaking to Chris Kennedy shortly. But first, to last week's question... Last week, I asked you who your favourite diverse characters were or what your favourite diverse book was. Not too many answers for this one. Uh, Not sure if that's because there's not enough diverse characters or just because um, perhaps you haven't read any recently. But one thing I did want to share was from Val Neal. Val shared a couple of links to where you can find sensitivity readers, which I thought was super helpful. So thank you very much to Val. And I will put those links in the show notes. So, today's question is a slightly selfish one, um, but I'm interested in what you guys do when you're launching a book, or if you haven't launched a book yet, what do you like that your favourite authors do when they're launching their books? I'm starting uh, to, God forbid, but I am starting to think about the launch of The Anatomy of Prose, um, and you know, particularly the sorts of things that I could do. Previously, I've not really done a lot for my launches. I just kind of throw it out there, slap some ads on occasionally and just see what happens. You know, occasionally change a few social media images and that's about it. But um, I'd like to do something this time. Um, You know, well, I'm not even going to put out there what the options or whatever. I am just curious to see what you guys like, what you do, what you like to participate in. um, All of those kinds of things. So just hit me with it, throw them at me um, and let me know your favourite kind of launch activities. My book recommendation this week is from a dear friend of mine called Lucy Mitchell. I had the pleasure of reading this book before it was published. I actually got to read a couple of incarnations of it, and I am super proud of her for publishing it. It's been out a little while now. Um, I think it came out last year. I don't remember exactly when. But uh, the book is called Instructions for Falling in Love Again. And I thought it would be appropriate to share this one because we have a romance-themed podcast this week. Her book is about a woman who loses her husband... And has to find her way back to, you know, health and love and being whole again. And her husband leaves her a series of notes and instructions um, for exactly what it says on the title for how to fall in love again. And it's hilarious. So I highly recommend uh, this book this week, and I will put that in the show notes. In personal progress this week. I don't really know what happened last week, but I am probably about 50 b- between 50 and 55% through um, the Anatomy of Prose edit. So I am disappointed with myself because you know, I started the podcast last week saying, hey, I've not only finished, I'm 40% through the edit, go me. Shouldn't have said go me, should I? Um, yeah, I think it's because I had a really admin heavy week. I had a lot of work I had to do for other people. Um, just, you know, stuff and things got in the way. And that is entirely my fault. I put my hands up. I did not prioritize doing the edits, which I which I should have done. Um, so that's a lesson to all of you. If you let other people's agendas be your agenda. You're not going to get your book finished. So I'm going to try and be a good girl this week and focus on getting the editing done so that I can put a pre-order up. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Uh, Listener rebel of the week this week is MJ Moores. MJ says, I was told when entering university that if I intended to take the concurrent BED ed B-Ed, B-Ed, I should not go into theatre production, but theatre studies. She thought that was boring. So she asked if she actually wasn't allowed. She was told that only one other person in the history of the university had ever tried it. She smiled, she nodded, and said to herself, just wait, there will be two. And that's exactly what she did. And she did really well too, including minoring in creative writing along the way. Uh, She finishes by saying, never tell me I can't do something or that I shouldn't because she'll make it her mission to prove you wrong. I love that story. Um, I love it because... It's total rebellion. It's a big fuck you to the system. And yeah, that's my... I I love a fuck you to the system, you know. I I love, you know, pissing off authority, (laughs) basically. And um, yeah, go you. Love it. Um... Need some more rebel author, rebel author stories, rebel writer stories, whatever you want to call them. So please, please, please send in your stories. Um, I've got a couple left, um, but not they're not going to last until the end of February. So do send in your stories. Um, it can be any kind of rebellion, big or small. You can email your rebel author story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at rebelauthorpod one new patron today welcome to Catherine Vickers thank you so much for joining me um it really does mean a lot it means that the running of the podcast is easier it pays helps to pay for my time it helps to pay for transcripts and editing and all the software and kit so yeah I really 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 appreciate everybody who um supports the show on patreon and Catherine will be able to access the sneak peek at the Anatomy of Prose, oh, which I um, published as my January Patreon bonus. Um, so all of those guys are getting to see the first few thousand words of the Anatomy of Prose, excuse me, while I go and vomit my anxiety. <laughs> anyway, um, don't forget though, when you do join Patreon, you also get access to all of the backlist posts, essays, pooper reels, and bonus content. If you would like to support the show and get access to all of those goodies you can by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black and that's Sasha with a C and not an S. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am joined by Chris Kennedy. Chris is a USA Today bestselling author of romance. She writes historical and contemporary romance, teaches classes, is a developmental editor and story coach, and runs Romance Writing Lab. She is also the organizer and founder of romance Writer, the Romance Writers Conference. Did I say that right? Romance Writing Conference? Summit, sum it, but that's fine. Oh, it's British. I always call it conference. I've been in a couple of other ones and I keep calling them (laughs) conference as well. I think it's just a British word. Um, (laughs) The Romance Writers Summit, which um, uh, will you be doing another one? Because obviously by the time this airs, it will have been and gone. Do you think you'll do another one? Yeah,
1: I think so. I think uh, people are really loving it. And it's kind of the vision came together of just a bunch of craftspeople getting together and talking stories. So I, I think so.
0: So is there, is there somebody somewhere that we can direct listeners to where they can find out more or sign up to, to hear?
1: Yeah. Um, this one is really easy to remember. It's romancewriterssummit.com. Perfect.
0: Okay. Let's, let's get it. It's late here. I, I haven't had yeah. gin. I have obviously not <laughs> had enough coffee. Well, go um, get some. Oh, yeah. I'll be right back. No, i yeah. um, Oh. All right. Tell everyone a little bit about you and your writing journey and how you got to where you are.
1: Well, I write romance, as you said, but for a long time, I didn't read it. Uh, it wasn't for me, whatever that meant. I, I think I thought I was above it. Um... Even though, and I'd forgotten this for many years, uh, I read my grandmother's old Harlequin romances when I was <laughs> a kid. I would just scooped them up. And, you know, because I was just reading anything. I would read the back of a tissue box, um, anything I could get my hands on. So I read all those, uh, you know, the doctor and nurse kind of romances. But as an adult, I didn't remember. And I avoided romances. Uh, the covers, uh, they made me uncomfortable. And I don't know, I, I think they seem to be telling me something. Something about myself that I didn't want, and if I pick them up, like I'd be that person. Um, but one day, I was working my way through my library, I was on a mission to read any and every book that looked even remotely interesting, starting at A and going to Z. And I came across, I came across obviously a bunch of romances as I went, but I came across this one historical uh, and it was set in Ireland. And I was like, All right. Fine, I'll do this one. Uh, And I finished reading it. I I don't remember in a day or two. um, And the day I finished reading, I was up until three in the morning writing my first romance. Um, Oh, my goodness. I know. I know, right? (laughs) Sometimes there's things you avoid, like the plague. Like, it's good. Avoid them. There's a reason. But other times, maybe there's something there that, you know, it it means something a little more. And check it out.
0: That is amazing. I love that. I um, I did that with uh, science fiction and I refused mm-hmm. to read Day of the Triffids forever. <laughs> and then I, I think it's because... And bless my mum she's probably listening hi mum but <laughs> she she, yeah. she gave me a copy of it and I think you know it's just the inner rebel in me you know anything that I'm told or asked to do I just have to yes, be right. um, right. uh, and eventually I, I read it and of course she was absolutely right I absolutely fucking loved the book and just totally <laughs> fell in love with you know that kind of dystopian uh, sci-fi yes. fantasy all that kind of stuff uh, but yeah that's that's hilarious um way to go mom so let's let's you know you you are uh, an editor as well so i think mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll talk a bit about um romance and you know specific tangible craft things but Mm -hmm. let's talk Mm -hmm. about story structure there are some things that are very very universal to all stories but there are also Mm -hmm. some quirks and specifics that are very unique to each genre and i guess you can talk about those as tropes or you know even the story arc there are points that are specific Mm -hmm. in each Mm -hmm. genre so talk to an author who is just coming into romance um what 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 key aspects of a romance and a romance structure must they hit
1: Mm -hmm. in in a lot of ways i mean the structure is the same uh what i think is different is what is prompting and promoting change and and the tensions and difficulty conflict in the story um but In a romance, you're juggling more than you are in a lot of other genres. I know a lot of um, fantasy have multiple arcs for multiple characters. Um, But in a lot of fiction, there's the one main character arc and the plot you know, the storyline. But in romance, you have two or possibly more full character arcs Where with two characters who are changing. Sometimes they're changing a different amount. So their arc is bigger or smaller, shorter or longer. But there's two of them. There's one for each. um, And you have the plot and you have the romance romance conflict and the romance arc. And that has to be intertwined with all those, but never overtaken. The romance always has to be primary. So I guess in other ways it's kind of different from other genres. It's really more complicated. The romance genre, I think it's um, a bad rap in a lot of ways uh, as being very simplistic and formulaic, but uh, it's a lot to juggle. Um, I think, Related to the the story arc itself, um some of the key differences or Focus that people would want for a romance is at that 10% point Which is like that inciting incident or catalyst moment? Um, that's in in any fiction when something is tossed into the character's world that they can't ignore and they have to Respond to it upsets the balance of their life. Um, and in a romance, that is or involves the other romantic lead. Uh, at 10% is when that romance conflict is launched. The romantic leads are forced together, usually by some external event, um, and they don't like each other or they don't get along or they do like each other, but the external forces are act are working against the romance, either actively or just as a function of that external thing, you know, the the character who's trying to move a bunch of condos into a small town and the other character is, you know, opposed to that. Uh, But as for all genres, but kind of especially for romance, conflict is queen. Um, There has to be a really strong reason that the leads can't just fall in love on page 25. Uh, and you're, you're building that all along, but you want to be establishing it at that and by that 10% mark, and then you can build on it. Uh, but there needs to be a reason they can't just fall in love. And then at the uh, midpoint, that 50% point, uh, in fiction and film, this is a big moment in the story. Um, it's almost always some kind of reversal uh, or a change of goal for the character, and in a romance, That reversal or change is a pro-romance change. In some way, they're choosing the other lead in some big public way that they wouldn't have done before. Uh, And that is, um, that's a key thing. One of the things, it it can sometimes be an I can have my cake and eat it too moment for a character. They can be like, well, I can still get my goal, but this person matters too. Uh, But they they make some choice and they do some action that is public uh, and declares for the other person or shows their uh, allegiance or alignment with uh, in some way that they haven't done before. And then you get that 75%, that all is lost, back moment, pit of despair kind of thing. And that's in all fiction, when the character has lost everything and they're realizing as a result of that, all the things that they did up till now that weren't enough. Um, and they realize they have to change. They realize what they have to change, what they've been getting wrong and what they need to do different. And in a romance, obviously the all is lost is the romance is lost. Um, and then what they do after that is directly related somehow to reuniting with or proving themselves or rescuing um, the other person somehow. They give everything up for the other person. Uh, and again, it's it's a big a big arc a big change from what they would have done at the beginning what they would have been willing to do at the beginning and ideally that act three stuff is some kind of sacrifice they have to give something up that serves the romance or the other lead in some way so i think those are the things that from a story structure perspective can help people really nail the romance
0: yeah. I think that's um, amazing. I'm like, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, oh, I need to write that down. I need to write, I need to write that down. <laughs> I'm like, thank God this is recorded. I can re-listen. Um, <laughs> um, I think one of the one of the interesting things that I picked up in there is how, how and obviously this is important in, in any genre, but for romance specifically that arc is it, 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 there's a lot of um importance placed on the inner journey it obviously romance yes. is emotional but for the characters particularly um the sacrifice is much more likely to be some kind of an inner sacrifice than it is perhaps in I don't know, a fantasy where they might need a, a magical sort of villain death or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think the, the thi- wh- where they do overlay to the other genres is that sacrifice is always, um, you know, the, the hero sacrificing something is always very important. And obviously the bigger the sacrifice, the, mm-hmm. the more the readers cling to it. Um, mm-hmm. which, which leads me on to my next question. So how do you create a romance, whether that's a main plot romance or a subplot that has readers on the edge of their seats? What is it that romance writers do that makes the, the reader fall in love with that romance? I suppose that, that relationship. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I mean, In the end, it's the same as for any other genre, it's conflict. Um, But like you were saying a moment ago, it's uh, romance is inherently character driven um, and it's about people changing um, and so that is is super important, and then it only increases the need to have really solid conflict. I talk a lot about building remarkable characters, and I think that's the key. Um, you know, some stories have an awesome plot, like this big plot that's just so crazy awesome, um, and the, that can suffice for some stories, you know, alien invasions, dinosaurs on the loose, great white shark, um, but in general the best stories have a protagonist who arcs. And that's how you can have a really powerful story with really seemingly small external stakes. Uh, And yet it's still so moving because the journey for the character inside themselves, the transformation they go through is is exactly what you said a a bit ago. It's so big. They're so different at the end than they were at the beginning. They've learned some kind of lesson. Uh, And, you know, for what it's worth, Jaws is my favorite movie ever. (laughs) And Police Chief Brody, he definitely has an arc and that makes that story stronger. Um, So I I think that what we really want in a romance, but in any story, but especially a romance, is you want someone who's different at the end than they were at the beginning. And part of that difference is you want the character to feel different about them at the end than they did at the beginning. And it's usually a result of the journey that they went through. Um, But it's someone who has issues um and beliefs and emotions and the story just punches them in the face uh and it tests every single one of those beliefs it makes them face emotions they didn't want to face and it you know uh shows up their inadequacies at that kind of personal level uh, as the story progresses and so that in the end when they've lost everything um they there's nothing to there's no way to hide anymore and they have to face whatever they have to face and they have to change and then do the thing that must be done whatever that might be Um, but it's the key is that it's something they never would or could have done at the start and that's why it's so important and you can sort of reverse engineer this to whatever you're going to end with and you might not know this till you're on You know, draft three or 13. Um, But whatever is happening at the end, go back and make sure you've built a character at the beginning who could never have done that thing or wouldn't have. Um, And in romance, that thing is them um, connecting to the other person. Like we were saying, it it usually involves some kind of sacrifice um, and taking some risk to choose the romance, uh, a risk emotionally, like they have to face those feelings or those beliefs about themselves. And also in the external world, they might have to give up some goal or endanger or give up on some secondary relationship that used to matter a lot, but now they realize it's not what they thought it was or they don't get to be who they need to be in those other relationships. Um, and, and they do that because something else matters more now. And it's the other lead. Um, and, and sometimes it's, you know, sometimes an, uh, that end part is them uh, wanting to be with the other person. Sometimes it's rescuing that other person. Sometimes it's letting that person go. Uh, but at its heart, it's about them. Uh, and then the other person comes back in a romance. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's you know, and and I think that is what makes people really re, you know stay up late reading. Um, the conflict is big enough to make them doubt it will happen. Even though they know they're reading a romance or they're reading a sci-fi or they're reading a mystery, they know, you know the mystery will get solved or the, they'll get there happily ever after or you know, the, the world will be saved in a thriller. But um, you know, the genre gives us the, the destination, but we as the storytellers are writing a conflict-filled story with a character who at the beginning We could never imagine them doing what they're going to have to do at the
0: end. And that's, I think, what makes people stay up late reading. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that. I um, honestly, I genuinely am going to have to go back and re-listen to this because I've just all of the things (laughs) I want to write, all of them down. And I can't because I'm concentrating (laughs) on listening to you. Um, But (laughs) um, the the thing I wanted to expand on there was um, the doubt aspect. And I think that is um, it's that tease. So, you know, readers of romance know damn well that it's going to have a H.E.A. at the end, which is happily ever after for for people who don't know what a H.E.A. is. Um, But despite that, you still have to create enough doubt that they doubt it, even though they've read a hundred romances before and and you know, even in other genres, the way that you do that is you torture your protagonist. You know, you make everything an obstacle, everything difficult, everything goes against their inner values and their morals. And, and, oh God, yeah, I just, I, I love that. Um, I, I'm excited about this tease of a romance story I, that I, you know, weird, that doesn't even exist, do it, but I'm so excited. it, do it, do it. <laughs> I think about it as,
1: um, I sometimes talk about it as calibrating um, fear and hope or doubt and hope. Um, fear it will never happen and hope that it can Uh, and every scene um, you're tipping that balance you're making them a little more fearful or a little more hopeful and, and just back and forth yeah
0: yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, I do love, love though. So that is like, yeah. I don't think I can ever write a story without some kind of element. Yeah. of Yeah.
1: I um, think it's in so
0: many stories, like you yeah. said,
1: even as a subplot or, you know, in, um, save the cat story method with screenwriting, um, you know, story structure approach, which is really powerful. um, Uh, you know, they, they, they talk about that whole idea. um, And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think
0: it's central to story. Absolutely. So let's get really nitty gritty. Okay. Are there any specific craft techniques that listeners should be aware of that help to fully immerse a reader uh, into the relationship? And by that, I mean, should writers be look, focusing or trying to think of sensual word choices? Is it more about metaphors? Is it about describing the phil- physicalities of touches or um, creating pictures around emotion? What, what should a romance writer do at the sentence level
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i think i think the writing techniques will definitely vary based on your voice and the tone of your story so you can have slam bam in your face raw sensual um and attention or you can have a slow build and a graceful dance of passion and desire and they both work or they both can work. Um, the key, I think, is whatever you're going to do to build to it. So if your voice is one that is very lyrical and, and, and metaphoric, and um, then then do that. If it's more straight up, um, bare bones, then, then do that. But however you do it, do the build. Um, And, you know, generally we think about sexual, physical connection building with like first a glance, and then a longer, more direct look, and then physical cues um, and, and uh, of interest, of smiling at each other, touching the hair, or, you know, th- those kinds of things, the sort of, you could do it from across the room while you caught someone's eye. And then there's the non-sexual touches, and then there's the sexual touches, and th- then they can move through um, sort of a... a uh, progression of, you know, mouth and then the upper body and then the lower body, clothed, unclothed, you know, first base, second base, all that stuff. Um, and you can get a lot of power with that development of how they're physically close. And it's great. That can be great for intertwining character arcs with romance because each one of those things, um will affect them and be pushing them to change a little or trying to resist it but you can also get serious passion power from skipping a few of those steps along the way or a lot of them um it really again it depends on the story and the voice uh but uh, another key in addition to building to it somehow and, and that's that um longing piece you know however however many of the build-up steps you go through there's you want to have some longing before you have some satisfaction um And then, but another key is to make it forbidden somehow. Somehow, being with this person is forbidden. It can be internally, uh, in their own mind or heart, they can't or shouldn't be with this other person for some reason, or it can be the external um, kinds of uh, no go zones. Um, You know, it'll mess up secondary relationships or some external story goal or plot, um, work, that kind of thing. Um, But for whatever reason, they can't ever do the thing uh, that you know, making a choice to be with the other is a risk, sexually. to be with them is a risk. and then they do it anyhow. <laughs> uh, and, and, and then what you need, another key, is to make the sexual however much there is overt, active sex or sexuality in your book, to make it have consequences. So every time there is some escalation of the physicality uh, or the, the romance, something gets tested and changed every time. There's some kind of consequence. Every ramp up of their physicality or their inner thoughts and longing about the other person, maybe changing their opinion about that person, everything that drives them closer to the other, has some consequence, and it can be um, a personal one, like I- interior stuff. Uh, they can, you know, it can be emotional or psychological. They can feel emotions they don't usually feel with the person, and and then you ask, well, how do do they respond to that? Does that make them pull back and run away? Or are they like, hey, actually, I love feeling this, this is great, and it helps bring them out. You can play with it any way you want, it just needs to have some consequence. Um, And, uh, you know, it can also be then the external consequences um you know maybe they they're loving this so much they get distracted from their external world pursuits um and that will have consequences uh or maybe other things in the external world get more difficult because of the closeness and intimacy that they're having with the other person uh so and, and that those consequences, you know, we, uh, i have kids. So when we talk about consequences, it's always a bad thing, but it's, it's not consequences can be great. Um, uh, for a while. Um, so I always, I, I think of it kind of like a movie. Uh, when does that happy upbeat inspirational music start playing? When does, you know, how about the ominous boom? Oh, something's happening. It's playing in your book too. It's just quiet.
0: Uh, So you want to work with those energies. I think I've just had about 8,000 epiphanies <laughs> listening to you <laughs> right now. Number one, you fixed something in my current novel, so thank you. Oh, good. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, just the, the, uh, the whole escalation and um, consequence uh, has just made about 8,000 penny drops, so thank you for that. Um, I, I wanted yeah. to... The other major epiphany that I had is very crass, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's my podcast. Do um, it. Uh, so basically, every romance plotline ever is one big orgasm with a lot of <laughs> foreplay. Like, that is literally how you write a romance. You do a whole heap of foreplay and then a big-off yeah. climax at the end. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and but the, but the other thing, and literally I'm never going to be able to think of romance in any other way other than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other thing I wanted to say goes back to something... Uh, You mentioned right at the start, which is um, about um, however somebody's voice is in terms Mm. of the um, sentence level uh, craft creation. And I think it's also very genre specific. So as a young adult writer... Um, I can't really well I mean Sarah J Mass has written quite explicit young adult books but broadly speaking young adult Mm -hmm. sexual experiences in in fiction are typically focusing more on the emotion and how Mm -hmm. they feel in that situation whereas when you Move into an adult, um, obviously romance, be, or be it fantasy or, or or plot, you can obviously then have a lot more description on the physicality of things. Mm-hmm. But my my point here is that. You should read your genre to know what's yes. acceptable. know what the limits are you know m- it might be that the upper end of middle grade you're allowed to hold hands and maybe a kiss on the cheek, but nothing else i don't know I don't write middle grade. Mm. My point is you do need to check and also it might be different in in the subgenres even of romance, so it's mm-hmm. important oh, yeah. To know, um, uh yeah what what what, what your I don't know my words have gone you know what i'm trying to no, say no i know exactly what you're
1: saying and i think it's a really good point i mean the the kiss on the cheek can be the climax the orgasm i mean that can be you don't again it's all that um it's the longing and the forbiddenness and the consequences and the build up to it that can that will make a thing powerful so the smallest act romance or otherwise can be infused with such significance if you build to it properly um so the holding of hands i i i can't think right now but i feel like i've seen a movie where that like two, two characters deciding to hold hands was just like, like wonderful. It was, you didn't need anymore. You didn't need to see or hear anymore. You knew that that thing happened. And as you were talking too, I was thinking, um, one of the things that often happens at that 50% mark, uh, when we were talking about story structure, that is often when, if it's going to, sex happens for the first time in a romance or whatever the most furthest along sexual behavior, (laughs) sounds so clinical, um, (laughs) that often happens at midpoint because that's that reversal, big change, claim the other moment. Now the character has, has not finished their journey. They think they're done, but you know, they still have a long way to go, but um, yeah, because it's such a powerful thing, but it doesn't have to be like you're saying, it, know your genre, uh, and, and but anything can be the orgasm, so to speak. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. A variety in your romance life. <laughs> oh, this, is, this is definitely going to have uh, explicit lyrics on it. Um, um, okay. What rookie mistakes do you often see in romance stories?
1: I would say, and it's not just rookie, um, I would say it's all related to conflict um either uh you know too much or not enough. And when I say too much, I mean um we see all the reasons why these romantic leads can't or shouldn't be together, but we never see what I call the promise of them. Uh you have to show the conflict of them and the promise of them, why they should be together, why we're rooting for them. And you need to start doing that right after you throw them together. It may be generally you're doing it in the scene where you've put them together to, you know, that 10%. Uh, and then certainly the scenes afterwards, um, you have to show also why they want to be together, why they should be, they, you know, there's there's some affinity between them. There's some way they click and they're right for each other, but then there's all this other conflict. Um, you can't just overload on conflict. Um, and, and tied to that is weak conflict. um, will see this generally happy couple having happy times and there's no reason they shouldn't be together. Uh, Or a weak reason that they shouldn't. You know, something that like reasonable people would figure out pretty quickly what they need to do because this person's great and I want to spend, you know, the rest of my life with them. Or a lot of romances um, can be just a, a bunch of arguments and hating on without any real driving motivation for them to be opposed. Uh, To the to the other person and to being with them which ties to You know, these are all intertwined, but a third conflict related um, Rookie mistake is the recycled conflict characters keep having the same argument or problem over and over again Um, You want to build in enough reasons? For them to not be with the other person whether it's internal or external ideally both Um, mostly so that you have something to tap on later, uh, and, and, you know, basically let their argument about who's the biggest ass die after the first one, because it should change things a little, even if they don't admit it, um, it, it has consequences. Like we were talking about that argument, um, shouldn't keep happening because it should have had consequences, internal and external. Um, they're changing a little
0: each time uh and therefore the next argument should be different yeah and i think i think the thing that's really important here is to remember that fiction is not reality it is it is merely a representation of reality we all know we're all gonna have the same argument every evening about what's for fucking dinner (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. No reader ever needs to read that. We all no. have very, very uh, repetitive arguments with our spouses yes. because, at the end of the day, we've all been together forever, and you know there is nothing else yes. to argue about. So we argue about no. things. Um, but that is that is reality and not fiction. And it, it would be very boring if that was um the the you know conflict in the story. But I think that yeah, that really was, good point. Yeah, I think it's really important this escalation each argument or point of conflict is an escalation on the previous one which means there has to be a consequence in order for it to be escalated
1: yes Um, and push the story forward so things are different now
0: yeah oh i have so much editing to do (laughs) (laughs) um oh I'm like weeping and weeping with both fifty percent joy and fifty yes. percent absolute horror right now. Um, <laughs> I'm there too. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so I'm I'm going to flip the order of the questions slightly just because I think it makes sense to do the, the one I was going to ask last. Um, so okay. a question from a patron now. Mm-hmm does romance always have to have a happily ever after can happiness be the result of the protagonist discovering a deeper level of self-love and or contentment? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Uh, Yes and yes. (laughs) There has to be a happily ever after. We're all about that. Although I will give a caveat. It could be happily for now. You may see HFN and that means happily for now. That works too. But the key is for a romance um, is that it's emotionally optimistic in the end uh, and that the leads choose each other in the end in some way. So certainly you can have a protagonist who... Discovers a deeper, deeper level of self-love and contentment, and and they, they should hopefully that's going to be part of their inner journey. Is I haven't been being true to myself in all, but, but for romance, it's I haven't been tr- being true to myself in all these other crappy-ass romance uh, relationships in my life. But I am real with this person, so that is where the romance ties in. Yes, you never want someone being untrue to themselves um, or desperately craving a relationship so they don't have to deal with whatever they really have to deal with. Your protagonist has to deal with whatever they have to deal with at a personal level. But the romance is the best place for them to be and to get that self-contentment, to be that person who they need to be. Uh, So yeah, and you know, I think we need that emotionally optimistic Kind of ending more than ever these days. I mean, mm. honestly, the way I see it, we are saving people here, people, and not just our characters, but sometimes our readers too. I, people are struggling silently with so much, and they need a respite and a recharge and a reason to keep on, and they need hope. And romance gives them that. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think this does come down to knowing your genre as well. Yeah, um, you know, r- romance. <laughs> happily ever after is basically the um the biggest trope in romance it's the it's the unquestionable i think i can think of a couple of examples where i've read um so jane green this was of course probably 15 years ago now jane green back then was quite a big uh romance writer but the book, the couple of examples, I think it was Jemima J and possibly Straight Talking, um, where the the women would have, you know, sort of a, a love triangle type situation, but actually the story was really all about the women you know, finding themselves and being comfortable with themselves. But where that happens, it then brings the genre into sort of this halfway between women's lit and romance so it's about knowing where you're positioning you 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 could write whatever the bloody hell you like um but just make sure you know how you're going to market it at the end of the day because if it is cross-genre is there a is there a cross-genre market for you um yes and if there isn't, maybe it's just a story you're writing for you, and there's nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. um, if you are going to go against tropes uh, that are so popular in a genre, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. just make sure you that you know that there is an audience out there. Yeah, um,
1: I think that is really great I- I- input, and you're right. You can straddle these genres, and then it may be difficult to sell it. It, it just may. It might also break out. Um, but yeah, it's it's just sort of knowing what you're doing reading in the genres thinking about how you're going to market it because if, if the romance isn't primary and it doesn't end on that romance optimistic note um, romance readers are not going to like it
0: but others might love it uh, so yeah okay so let's let's change the subject now what is working um, for marketing romance right now <laughs>
1: I have no idea, <laughs> seriously. Uh, honestly, I, you know, scammers have overrun Amazon. They're spending huge amounts of money advertising, you know, five, six figures a month in, in ads. And I'm just not sure how people can compete. Aside from writing a fabulous, insanely romantic book or a insanely mis- mysterious book or thriller book um, with great characters who arc and transform. I-, I mean, the good news is the best advertising that you'll ever get is to write a great story and then another and another. You build your backlist. Um, and you'll find your readers, but um, but it, it, it's hard to do from a marketing standpoint. And that, unfortunately, it's not my strong suit at all.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, this is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell me about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. Well,
1: you know, I, I mean, I would say it's the the summit that i did um you know the romance writer summit that's going on now but by the time this airs it will be over although people will still be able to purchase the uh videos um that was it was insanely hard for me not just the technical end of things but uh emotionally i had to do so many things that were hard for me personally that you know sort of stepping out of the shadows i mean literally i'm in every video (laughs) <laughs> uh, and then yeah then there's the technical end ah! <laughs> um, but it's also been I think because it was so difficult it was also so fabulous I guess kind of like an arc for a character in our book um, uh, to you know you do the hard thing and you know sometimes it pays off in real life um, my vision was to get a bunch of people together and do nothing but talk about storycraft. Uh, and that's what we did. And I, I, today, although again, sorry guys, it won't be nice. You can cut this out if you need to, but we have a video game writer who worked on writing um, the Game of Thrones and Walking Dead video games. Um, and we just talked about storytelling and games um it's just it was just awesome uh and then to be able to share all that with a bunch of other writers who are serious about their craft and that's just that's what they're thinking about how do i become better a better storyteller
0: it just is really incredibly awesome and i think the wonderful thing about that i always think that if you if you aren't no yes if you aren't out of your comfort zone then you mm-hmm. aren't growing you aren't learning you mm-hmm. aren't developing and if mm. you aren't changing as a person then then you're stagnating so yeah. you know i think it's yeah. so important to to put you know to push yourself into to continue to to, work, to continue to learn and and even doing this podcast you know yeah. I weren't here yeah. before I started this podcast because <laughs> I, I'd wanted to do it for so so bloody long and it was it was the technical side I didn't want to do it I threw my toys out at the pram and then I pulled up my big girl panties and I sucked it up princess you know <laughs> you just have to push yourself out of that comfort zone because I am, you know, I, I am so proud and I am so glad because mm-hmm. I get to talk to amazing people and learn so many amazing things about romance, even though I have to do <laughs> so much editing now. <laughs> um,
1: well, really, though, what you're saying is true. It's like we are our characters, right? I mean, really, because at any moment, we're all facing tasks or challenges, things we're avoiding beliefs or emotions that maybe aren't serving us um and then the question is and what am I going to do about it if I want this thing this story goal what am I
0: going to do about it yeah yeah yeah, absolutely so for anybody listening if you've been putting off that thing (laughs) you've been told (laughs) because I know I know you have a thing go do that yes Sure. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. So, tell readers where they can find out more about you, your books. I will obviously include a link to the summit, not conference. Okay, cool. The summit. <laughs> That's
1: okay. You can call it a conference. You're a Brit. <laughs> I know. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So, it. where can everybody find out more about you? Well, my
1: author website is Chris dot net not com. It's a net. Um, and it's Chris K R I S uh, and the romance writers summit.com. Um, and my writing course website, which is still under construction. Um, it's like a work in progress, but that is romance writing lab.com. Uh, so, but even though the website is honestly, it's just a placeholder page that I made and guys really, design is just not my thing. Um you can still access the uh you can still sign up for the newsletter through that and it's a just a free writing tips newsletter that I send out at extremely random times because I am a terribly organized person. I just it's terrible. Um but I send out writing tips. Um so sometimes it's you know just like a, a paragraph of hey give this a try and other times I'm you know breaking something down in more depth but it's all craft uh so you can sign up for that at the romance writing
0: lab website amazing thank you so thank you to all of the patrons supporting the show if you would like to get early access to all of the episodes you can do so by going to www.patreon.com forward slash sasha black and that is sasha with a c thank you very much for listening Thank you to Chris for your time today and your amazing tips that I'm going to have to do so much editing on. Uh, I'm Sasha Black. You were listening to Chris Kennedy and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'm talking to Rachel Heron. I love this interview with Rachel. She is super deep and we, we go, you know, really deep into our psyche and into business and multiple streams of income. So I am looking forward to sharing that with you next week. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.